Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Today we are going to basically go into the message that we had planned last week, but never got to. We got to a little bit of the message in the second service, none in the first service, so I tried to recap for them today. But we are, of course, talking about and continuing our series called Equipped. We said that we all have to know that we are known by God, loved by God, called by God, and equipped by God. And so in talking about being equipped, we felt led to talk about what that means. To talk about the spiritual gifts that we have been equipped with. What it means to be given a gift, the charismata, as the Greek says, which is a gift of grace. And so the place that we started was with the gift of prophecy. Now, I recognize there might be some in here today that have been with us for every message along the way, and you're very well versed in what prophecy is. And there may be some that this is the first time that you've heard about it or the first teaching. And so I think it's important for us just to really uh, just go back to the definition here for a moment. And then there's some things that I want to unpack and share with you here today. So prophecy, as we have defined it in this last couple of weeks, is a word from God directing our attention to a greater reality and inviting us into it. Prophecy is when we can hear, discern, become aware of something that God is saying, and recognize that in that word there is an invitation that God is bringing us from where we are into a new destiny, into a new identity, and into a new reality. Does that make sense? So when God calls us very often, we are here, and he says, this is who you are, this is what I'm calling you to, and I'm calling you over there. Now just because we receive the prophetic word, just because we recognize what God is saying, doesn't mean we're instantly brought into that new reality, right? But it is the invitation that he is extending to us to say yes in faith and to step into a new reality, into a greater reality, into something that we may have not before ever been aware of. So that's what prophecy is. And whether it's a prophetic voice in our own life, whether it's us hearing the word of God, or when we are in church as the body of believers, somebody coming up and giving a prophetic word or somebody speaking directly to us, what we have to recognize is that God is speaking, he's speaking to us, and that he's giving us an invitation to step into something greater. So prophecy is so important, especially when we're talking about how the body of Christ is meant to function. We have been equipped to hear from God and to walk in obedience to what he's called us to do. And this is, once again, a little bit of recap. This is why Paul says, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5, Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. He has called us, God has called us to prophesy, to hear what he is saying, to accept the invitation, and to become who he's called us to be. So when we talk about prophecy, it's important that we understand the framework about it, but but. For me, one of the most important parts of prophecy is that we learn more about who God is. That we go deeper into our relationship with Him. That we learn more about the nature of God. 
This is one of the greatest pursuits, if not the greatest pursuit of mankind, which is to not just understand that we have purpose, but to understand the God who has given us the purpose. To understand that we have been created for a reason and for a time to be able to impact, to be able to represent Christ to the world around us. And so the first thing that I wanted to look at here today was something that I, when I was away at that prophetic conference, I felt was such an important aspect of knowing God and walking in prophecy. And I did share this in the second service last week, so I'm going to be quick in this. But remember we talked about the story in Genesis chapter 3, where God was walking through the garden? And what I really saw in that, which I just thought was so powerful and so important for us to recognize, is that God himself because of his desire to walk in relationship with creation, brought himself to a level where he could actually walk on the earth that he created. That because his uh, desire is for relationship, the way that he calls us to walk with him is in partnership. Do you remember this? That we have to know that he loves us so much that he doesn't want to just speak to us from a distance, but he wants to partner together with creation, with humanity, to do what he's called us to do, which is to represent him to the world, to expand the kingdom of heaven, to be able to walk in power and authority to bring hope to the world around us. This is all done in partnership with him. And this is really, when we talk about prophecy, such an important part of it that we recognize that if we're called to do something, first, we need to hear what the instruction is. If we're called to do something specific on this earth, we always say this, there is something on your life that someone else needs. Well, to effectively bring that gift to the world, we need to be taking our cues from heaven. Are we digesting or did I say something wrong? We need to be paying attention to what the Father is saying. Jesus said, I do nothing unless I see the Father doing it. I don't say a word unless I hear the Father saying it. For the church, somehow we've gotten away from this reality that we as Christians and we who call ourselves followers of Christ have to be taking our cues and our instructions from God and not just trying to figure it out along the way. But where we've so lost it, especially when it comes to cessationism and and the belief that the gifts are no longer in operation, is that we've actually disconnected ourselves from the source of life and the one who is speaking to direct us and to empower us. There might be some in this room that you're still not so sure about the gifts of the Spirit. And I understand, okay? I I get it. Sometimes we're not so, so sure that God is still speaking and moving. But let me just ask you, the God of the universe who created us all, who sent Jesus to die for our sins, right? The Bible speaks about the Holy Spirit being given to us. What do we think that looks like if not walking in power and authority given to us by heaven? What do we think that looks like if we serve the God of eternity and yet he says, I'm just going to give these for a little while, have fun, let's write a book, and then you're going to figure it out as you go. The Holy Spirit, the same power that rose Christ Jesus from the dead that lives inside of you, has not just called you, but he has equipped you to walk in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It means that we have the ability to connect back to the source, 
to hear what he is saying and to walk in obedience to that invitation. Sometimes, though, and this is still recap, I apologize, not really. We still feel like we're disqualified. We don't feel like we're worthy. And so as I was preparing this, I was thinking about three specific instances in the Bible that if you have ever felt like you're not good enough, I would like to just say, welcome to the club. Welcome to the club of those who are not able to do it on their own. All of us, just for the record. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 4 and 5 It's the encounter that Isaiah has with God, and it says, And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah sees the King. He sees God, and and the first thing is, God, I am unable to do what you are calling me to do. I am unworthy. I am unclean. I am of a people that are unclean. I cannot do this thing. But we know the story. God speaks to him. He anoints his lips, and he calls him to be a prophet to the nation. But Isaiah, in and of himself, said, nope, I can't do this. We look in Jeremiah chapter 1, and we know verse 5 very well. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Then I said, this is Jeremiah, Ah, Lord God, behold, I don't know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But what does God say in response? Do not say I am only a youth, for to to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Jeremiah had all the disqualifiers and God said, I'm not listening to any of them. To whom I send you, you're going to go and you're going to speak what I've told you to speak. And we know this story well of Moses in Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, says the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. For those in this room that are not sure that your mouth could ever speak the words of God, just remember what he said to Moses. Who formed your mouth in the first place? Who gave you life? Who called you? Who equipped you? It is never about what we can do and who we are. It is about who he is and what he has done and walking in obedience with it. So I went away to this conference. There were a couple of things that I really just loved and, and wanted to bring back. And I wanted to be able just to speak about some of these highlights. And some of them are very practical. Some of them are just very much, if we're going to be a church who is walking in the prophetic and who has invited the Holy Spirit to speak, what are some some things that we need to be aware of? So some of them are more spiritual than others. Some of them are, are more practical. But I would ask that you would just stay engaged with me here today. We spoke last week and, and a little bit this morning about what relationship with God means. It means partnership. The second thing that I wanted to bring is I want to answer the question, what does prophecy do in our lives? 
When we look back through scripture, what was the function of prophecy? And there was a quote from Bethany Hicks at this conference. She said, prophecy is to encourage or to bring courage into the hearts of men so that they can fulfill what God has called them into. Prophecy is an invitation and it's meant to give courage. Courage to do three things in particular. Courage to see, courage to be, and courage to do. Courage to see. When we see Jesus with greater clarity, it gives us the ability to have a greater perspective for what we see in the world around us. When we see God for who he is, when we understand his heart towards us, when we understand the love that he has, that he gave everything when he gave Jesus, it gives us the ability to see with a greater dimension of clarity. Because so often we look through our own lens, we look through our own experiences, we see based off of what we have gone through. But when we see him, when we hear his word through prophecy, it gives us the ability to see with a new reality. We no longer just see challenges, but we see opportunities. And when we see clearly, it gives us the opportunity and the courage to be. It's not just that we see what he's doing and who he is, but then we realize who we are. That we have an identity to become something in him. So we have a courage to see, a courage to be, but very, very importantly, and we can't lose sight of this, we have a courage to do. To see God clearly is so important. To become what we've been created to be is, is so amazing that we get to do that through His grace. But then we have to do something about it. And when we recognize that God is speaking to us, when we recognize His invitation, then we have the courage to do something. The world needs a church that is willing to not just see and not just to be, but to go and to do, to impact it for Christ. And I think back to the Old Testament when I think about these three things of courage because I, I think about the moments that we just take for granted. A couple of weeks ago, we watched uh, His Only Son, the movie about Abraham and Isaac and, and the willingness to give Isaac. But it's not always that we think about what it must have been like to go on that journey with God. The courage that must have been necessary for Abraham to continue to believe. Abraham called, God calls Abraham out of his hometown out of his land and and he says i want you to leave everything and go into the land to which i've called you think about the courage it takes to leave everything you've ever known and to go into a new place think about the courage it takes to take your son your beloved son the fulfillment of the promise that you waited for year after year and to bring him before god and being willing to sacrifice him on the mountain think about when moses was called we, we read his response, I, I can't do it, Lord God, when, when God calls him to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. Imagine the courage that would have been necessary to go to the most powerful man in the world and to say, let my people go. Why? Because God says so. It would have required courage. We know how he saw himself in the beginning. But it wasn't just that he got a new identity for who he was. He stepped into who he was called to be, and then he did something about it. What about the story of Gideon? Hiding in the wine press. 
When God finds him and calls him a man of valor, he is hidden away because he is so afraid of what's going on around him. And yet the word of prophecy comes and speaks a better word over him. And yes, there's a couple of fleeces in between. But he hears what God is saying, recognizes his new identity, steps into it, and then goes into an unwinnable battle. Just, just hear my words for a second. It was an unwinnable battle. They had no business going into that battle with 300 men, with 300,000 men, but three, 300 men. And yet he had a courage to go and to do something amazing. Sometimes we get too comfortable. We read the story of the Bible for encouragement and we think the story of Gideon is just enough to get us to go to work that day. Gideon went into an unwinnable battle because he had a courage in what God had said. I just want us to raise our level of expectation a little bit higher today for what God is calling us to do and recognize that there are some battles that you may be called into that you could never win on your own. But if you step into agreement with what God has said, you will be equipped to accomplish all that he has for you. It's a little bit of a scary word. I'm going to be honest. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what we're going to be called into. But instead of shying away from the battle, can we trust in the God who has called us, equipped us, created us, and made us for such a time as this to be able to do what he's created us to do? Okay, so prophecy is an invitation. It gives us courage to see, to be, and to do. The next thing I want to look at is that there are three things that every healthy prophetic community requires. It's a little more practical. The three things that every healthy community requires are number one, revelation. That's prophecy, to recognize what God's saying. But number two, we don't want to just stop at revelation. We want to go into interpretation and then application. Who knows, who knows it's an incredible thing to be able to see in the Spirit and to see these incredible things. And, and I saw uh, God come down and a mountain was split and there was a dove that came and landed in the middle and a rainbow came out of it and it was this beautiful thing. And, and we see these incredible things, which is so important and so amazing. But if we stop there and we don't move into a practical place of interpretation and application, who knows that it could be a little more harmful than good? Because we can see these things and you can interpret it one way and I can interpret it another way. God gives us the ability to see for a reason. And so when we get these pictures, we should also be willing to go deeper and to ask the Holy Spirit to interpret for us what he's saying. To realize that he gave it to us as an invitation to go deeper in him. And to not just get the interpretation, but in prayer and in community, you may have one part of the puzzle and the person next to you has another part and the person next to, you, next to them has another part to bring them together and to see the application of what God is calling us to do. We want to be a church that has revelation, but then moves into the place of understanding, at least to the extent that he's called us to understand and then once again to do something with it. We want to be well-rounded in the prophetic giftings that we walk in. But who knows, that requires us to practice. It requires us to say yes. It requires us to, on an individual basis, to deepen that relationship with the Father. 
to learn how the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. To take the time to write it down. To record it. To look at it. To meditate on it. We spend so much time in our lives doing so many things. And yet, there are also times where we have put aside one of the most important things that we could ever do. The most important thing we could ever do is to spend that time in relationship with the Father. I think I said something along these lines not too long ago, but we don't want to wait until we're in the middle of the chaos and the battle and everything is falling down around us to then try to find out what the voice of God sounds like in our lives. Just, just hear me for what I'm saying here today. We have been called to follow Jesus. And the example of Jesus was that he separated himself to be with the Father, to commune with him and to hear what he was saying for his direction. There was relationship that was to be enjoyed and to be, to be part of, of being a son to a father. But there was also that part of it where God had called Jesus to something very, very particular. And it says that Jesus constantly went away to find the Father. He separated himself from the noise. We need to recognize that when we say yes to Jesus, that there is a grace that I believe is available to us to spend that time investing in our relationship with him, not because we have to, but because it is the greatest privilege and blessing that we could ever have. And, and just trust me when I say this, I know how difficult it can be. I recognize all the things in life and all the distractions and all of those things. But this is the paramount discipline in our life is that we would take the time to spend with him and not just to speak, but to listen. Okay. The next thing that I, I wanted to look at here today is in how we see. Haley Braun spoke and she said that prophecy is not simply to identify a problem, but also to recognize the solution. There are times where it's very easy for us to look at the world and to recognize all the problems and all the things that are going wrong. But who knows that doesn't take a prophetic gift. It doesn't take some special ability to recognize that things are going wrong. But if prophecy is an invitation to see, to be, and to do... It means that we are not just called to see a problem, but that we are called to recognize and to be a part of the solution. It means that we are not just called to see that something is wrong, but to seek the Father to find out what we are called to bring what is right. To recognize that if I've been designed intentionally... That if he spoke me into existence, that if he knew me before I breathed my first breath on earth, that there's a reason why I'm here. And that instead of looking at problems that I'm saying, what can I do to be part of the solution? What have you given to me and what do you want to continue to reveal to me in order that I can reflect Jesus to the world around me? That I can bring solutions to problems in the economic levels and, and government and education and even in entertainment and to media, to my family, to my personal life, to my job. What is God speaking to me that I can then bring to the world around me? But who knows to do that, there requires a level of expectation that he can. 
that in order to actually step into that reality, there has to be an anticipation that that's what he wants to do. That comes before the willingness to even stop and listen. We have to recognize the same God that put himself here on earth, both in the garden and and in the form of Jesus the Son. He loves me enough to be present with me. And because of that, he wants to walk with me in relationship to be able to bring something to the world that maybe it's never seen before. All right, you ready for some more practical stuff here today? All right, I want to just preface this by saying this is not a hard and fast rule, but it is a suggestion that I think is a very good one. Okay? Three things when we're prophesying that we should be aware of and we should be very intentional with, and and I'm saying generally we should avoid. If you feel that this one of these categories applies to you, you can come and and talk to us as leadership. We'll we'll walk through you with it because it can very much be from God. Okay, all that to say. Three things. When we're prophesying, no dates, no mates, and no babies. No dates, no mates, and no babies. Who knows that our timing is not always God's timing? That sometimes we look at something and we're like, okay, this is going to happen next week. And God's like, yeah, next week plus a decade. We should stay away from dates, okay? We can, if we hear it, we can pray into it. We can continue to believe and we can expect. I'm not talking about when Jesus is coming back. I don't want to hear any of those dates ever. But let's be careful when we're saying, okay, this is going to happen in your life and it's going to happen by this point. Okay, no mates. We've talked about this. Don't go up and prophesy, this is the person that you're going to marry. Okay? It's generally not going to be very helpful. Okay? It's going to, it's going to at the very least, it might get in the way of it. No dates. No mates. Don't prophesy it over yourself either. Okay? You can pray. But let's not be prophesying that. And, and no babies. It's, it's a very sensitive thing, obviously. We want to be aware. Now, once again, this is not hard and fast. There are prophecies in this room that I believe that have specific dates attached to them, that may have specific mates attached to them, and can have babies that are going to come forward. And we're standing and believing on them. But we have to be very intentional. There's a way to do this in a way that is, that is going to be very beneficial to the body. And we can take these things forward in community. We have pastors on staff. We have people that would love to just be able to pray with you into these things. But, okay, you get the point. I, I heard this quote while I was at this conference, and I thought it was so important. The question that it answers is, why sometimes when we receive a prophetic word, does it seem like there is an opposition that comes to it right away? And there is part of this where there is a spiritual atmosphere where there is an enemy that would come to steal away the word. So that absolutely can be true. But there are times where that's not actually the case. And so the quote was this. It says, The immediate result of a word may appear to be the opposite. It may look like persecution or affliction. And this is to keep us in faith, to strengthen root in him, to solidify faith in him, not in the circumstance. So what does this mean? I, I, when he was sharing this, I, I thought it was just so, so powerful. If we receive a word 
that there's going to be provision in our life. And someone comes up to us and hands us a check right away for $10,000. Right? That's a beautiful thing. And we'll take that every day of the week. But if we receive that immediately, is there any need for us to stay in a place of faith because we've already received the thing that we were promised? And so there are times where we will receive a prophetic word and what will happen right away is it appears to be the opposite. And yes, it can be the enemy. But when it happens, regardless of the source, it's an invitation for us to go deeper into faith for what God is saying and what he has spoken over us. He wants us not just to receive the word. He wants us to be prepared and equipped to walk in it. And so when we receive a prophetic word and something happens, we we get the word of provision and then the next day our car breaks down. It's not that God wasn't speaking. It's an invitation to go deeper into faith and to recognize what he has said, to attach our faith to it and to continue to believe even when it seems like it's impossible. We have the ability to choose faith or fear. We have the ability to open up our heart to either one of these things. Are we going to continue in faith or are we going to allow fear to have a louder voice to dictate what we think is possible instead of walking in faith trusting that he is going to do what he said he was going to do? I believe that's a really important word of encouragement here today. There are many in this room I know that are waiting for prophecies to be fulfilled. Prophecies we have over our family that we are waiting for and standing on in Jesus' name. But we will continue in faith. We will continue to stand in faith for what God has said over our lives as individuals and over this church as well. All right, I did touch on this one last week, so I'm just going to briefly touch on it. Uh, Haley Braun said, Our life is a billboard for something the world doesn't know exists. Our life is a billboard for a reality that the world has never seen. We have the incredible privilege to step into a reality, to recognize that God has spoken something and has given us an invitation into a greater reality, and our life is meant to represent it for the world around us. We are meant to be those who bring hope to the world around us, that bring answers and solutions. First, we have to know what God is saying. There's another part of this today, but we're going to save that for next week. I wanted to touch on something here today that is really just so important right now for the time that we're living in. Uh, there was a word specifically that my mom had brought forward to me when we were at the uh, 24 hours of prayer and Hopewell Reform Church. And it was speaking to the distraction that's taking place right now. The distraction to take our eyes off of Jesus. And I so believe that one of the biggest oppositions to walking in the prophetic and standing in faith for what God has said is the distraction that comes either in our own inner reality because of the voice that we hear of accusation and condemnation or what's going on in the world around us. You see, distraction is one of the major tactics of the enemy. He always tries to distract us away from what God has said. With Adam and Eve, they had everything. They were living in paradise. But the enemy came and said, did God really say? And what he presented to them was 
an opportunity to be distracted away from their purpose. They heard that they could be more like God, and they missed the fact that they were already created in the image and the likeness of God. And so the enemy distracted them away from the truth into a different reality, which severed their connection with the Father. You see, distraction will always be the thing that tries to pull our eyes off of Jesus and to place it on ourselves, to place it on circumstances. And who knows today? I've asked that question a lot. I recognize that. Who knows that in the world we live in right now, that there is plenty of opportunity for distraction? That there is so much going on in the world around us to try to distract us and to bring us into fear. You see, prophecy joined with our faith will always point us to the true reality. But distraction with fear will always point us to an inferior reality. It will call us, it will compel us to look to the circumstances of this world. And we see see the distraction after distraction going on in the world around us. And I'm not even just talking about the political distractions where it's look at this thing so you don't look at this over here. Because there's certainly plenty of that. But there are distractions that are taking place and there are rumors that are going on and there are things that that you just hear that are going on and they are all cause to take our eyes off of Jesus. I don't know about you. I'm going to be very specific here today. I I keep seeing this this thing of, oh, COVID's making a comeback. There's a new variant. There's a new strain. We got to do all these things. I I just want to be clear about one thing and, and with all sensitivity in the world, we as a church are not going to play that game again. Okay? There is a distraction that is present in all of it. And we're not going that, we're not going that way again. We're not going to give in to fear. Okay? So I just want to make sure that's very clear. But, and I shouldn't say but, because that's like period. Move on to the next thought. When I look and I see some of these things, I have to be aware of what comes up inside of me. Because as much as that might be a distraction, and it is, it's a tactic for for manipulation and power, there is also the other side of it of what it does in me. And if I allow those feelings and emotions to distract me away from what God is saying and the reality that he's trying to show me, then I will once again be taken away from what he has spoken and what he's calling me to do. We have to be aware of the distractions that come from the distractions. We have to be aware that as much as the enemy comes to take our eyes off of God, there are so many areas and pitfalls that we can enter into. And God is not calling us to be tossed by every wave to and fro, but to stand on a firm foundation of who he is and understanding the truth of what he's called us into. And so for many reasons, and we could go much deeper into this, I'm asking that we as a church body, that we as a congregation would stand firm on the truth of what God is saying, that we will not give in to fear or distraction of any kind, whether it's political, whether it's in our economy, whether it's in our culture, we can recognize these things. And if you know anything about me, I believe that we have a part to play in all of it. That we should be taking our rightful place, that we should be standing up for what is right, that we should recognize that our freedoms have been given to us and they shouldn't be cast aside. But first and foremost, our responsibility is to know what God is saying. 
First and foremost, our responsibility is to hear the Spirit of God and to allow Him to lead us and to guide us. That when we join our faith together, when we bring our giftings together, our talents, our ability to hear Him, that we would come together in unity and that we would be a force to be reckoned with. There are times where we're learning on the job. And there are times where God is calling us to have a greater understanding of what he's doing before we ever even get there. And there has been a training that has taken place over the past couple of years. There's been a preparation that's taken place over the last couple of years. Do not leave it back there. Understand what God is wanting to do right now in us, in his body, in the church, in the gathering. Because we're choosing to trust Him above anything and everything else.